Davidson. I'd like you to join me and the ministers of music from here, Water of Life Church in Plano, Texas, as we minister the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which is the power of God. Kathy Davidson will be coming, ministering the milk of the word. Kathy is my epistle, written in my heart written in her heart by the Spirit of the living God, not written with ink on tables of stone, but on the fleshly tables of her heart. The world can read it, the gospel. Kathy D., I'm having a seat. Good morning. Let's open with prayer. Father, I give thanks. Father, my heavenly Father, let the power of my Lord be great. Father, I ask for grace. I ask that you open our ears that we can hear, that you open our eyes that we can see, that you open our hearts like you did for Lydia, that we can attend unto the things which are spoken. Turn us from darkness to light, from the power of Satan unto God. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, I'd like you to turn to Romans 6, verse 23. For the wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. That's written in the Word. Do you believe this Bible? You go to church every Sunday. You go to some social gathering. You have your Bible studies. You go to Sunday school. And do you believe that book that you're looking at? Do you believe the book that you read? Do you believe the words in it? Well, the words right here say the wages of sin is death. What does that mean? The payback for sinning is you die. The wages of sin is death. You sin, you die. You know what? That happened with Adam. You know, Adam had it made. He was in a beautiful garden. There was so much love between him and the Father, and there was so much power, and there was so much beauty, he didn't even have to put clothes on. It was just nice. And he had a wife he could walk with. And every day, God would come into the garden, and he would converse, fellowship with Adam. They would talk face to face. And what did Adam do? He disobeyed the word of God. God said you can have anything in the garden. You can eat anything in the garden. You have dominion over every animal in the garden. You have it made. There's just one thing that you don't do. Just one. Just one. And he did it. He ate of the tree. And when he did, he died. He brought death into the world. He'd have never died. Adam would have lived forever. He would have had immortality. He had it, but he lost it when he ate the fruit. He died. And you know what? His body eventually died. And his children, they eventually died. We die. Why? The wages of sin is death. The wages of sin is death. Now, I want to show you a power 
uh, power. I'm going to show you. My kids used to love to watch these shows or talk about the extreme. Well, I'm going to show you some extreme power today. And I want us to begin in Numbers 14. Actually, let's begin in 13, verse 31. This is Moses in the wilderness with all the people of Israel. And he had just sent 12 men in to look and spy out the land. See how beautiful it was. How big the grapes were. How big the fruit was. How much water there was. How beautiful this land was. He sent 12 people. He said, go spy it out. Tell us what it's like. Tell us what it's like. They came back. This is what they said. Verse 31. But the men that went up with him said, we are not able to go up against the people, for they are stronger than we. They, and they brought up an evil report of the land which they had searched under the children of Israel, saying, the land through which we have gone to search it is a land that eateth up the inhabitants thereof. And all the people that we saw are in it are men of great stature. And there we saw the giants, the sons of Anak, which come of the giants. And we were in our own sight as grasshoppers, and so were we in their sight. And all the congregation, you know, that they, they figure with the numbers that the Bible give, you're talking about around 2 million people here. 2 million people that came out of Egypt. It says, all the congregation lifted up their voice and cried, and the people wept that night. And all the children of Israel murmured against Moses and against Aaron. And the whole congregation said unto them, Would God we had died in the land of Egypt, or would God we had died in this wilderness? And wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it better for us to return unto Egypt? I want you to see something here. These people had all these miracles done for them. I mean, the Red Sea was parted. The firstborn of every Egyptian died. The firstborn of all the, the livestock died. The, when there was no light in Egypt, there was light in Goshen where these Israelites were. And now they're coming up to get what they left Egypt for. And it looks tough. And they fall apart. They murmur. When things are rough, when things get tough, all those miracles that God did for them went by the wayside. Do you hear me, some people? Just because it gets tough, you've dropped the whole thing and you've run. That's unbelief. That is unbelief. Now repent, believe the gospel, and get your donkey right back where it's supposed to be. Now, it says, verse 3, And wherefore has the Lord brought us into this land to fall by the sword, that our wives and our children should be a prey? Were it not better for us to return unto Egypt? And they said one to another, Let us make a captain and let us return to Egypt. And where are you going to go? Verse 5, Then Moses and Aaron fell on their faces before all the assembly of the congregation of the children of Israel. And Joshua, one of the twelve, the son of Nun, and Caleb, another one of the twelve, the sons of Jephunneh, which were of them that searched the land, rent their clothes, and they spoke unto all the company of the children of Israel, saying, The land which we pass through to search it is an exceeding good land. 
not just a nice place, an exceeding good land. If the Lord delight in us, then he will bring us into this land and give it us, a land which floweth with milk and honey. Only rebel not against the Lord, neither fear ye the people of the land, for they are bred for us. Their defense is departed from them, and the Lord is with us. Fear them not. Fear them not. It got tough, and you ran. Now repent and believe the gospel. But all the congregation bid them stone them with stones. And the glory of the Lord appeared in the tabernacle of the congregation before all the people of Israel. And the Lord said unto Moses, he didn't say to the people, he was talking face to face with Moses. The Lord said unto Moses, how long will this people provoke me? Do you see when you won't believe you provoke the Lord? When you won't believe, when you refuse to believe, you provoke God. Folks, that's one person you don't want to provoke. That's one God you don't want to provoke. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will it be ere they believe me? For all the signs which I have showed unto them. Has God ever done a miracle for you? Has God ever done anything for you? Do you have a miracle that God's done for you? And I want to speak to some people. Have you had some miracles done since you've been to Water of Life? Do you, did you have miracles while you were here at Water of Life? Repent of your unbelief. All right. And the Lord said unto Moses, How long will this people provoke me? And how long will they ere believe me for the signs which I have showed unto them? Look what God said. I will smite them with a pestilence and disinherit them and will make of thee a greater nation and mightier than I. Yes, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob can be provoked. He can be provoked. And Moses said unto the Lord, this is a face-to-face -face meeting with God. Moses is speaking directly to God, and God is, direct, is speaking directly to Moses. And Moses said unto the Lord, God said, I'm going to kill them all, and I'll raise, a, I'll raise them up through you. And Moses said, unto the Lord, then the Egyptians shall hear it. Then the Egyptians shall hear it. For thou brought up this people in thy might from among them. And they will tell it to the inhabitants of this land, for they have heard that thou art Lord among this people, and that the Lord are seen face to face, and that the cloud standing over them, and thou goest before them by daytime in a pillar of a cloud and a pillar of fire by night. Now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, do you see what God is capable of? Killing those people, two million people as one man, and he didn't need somebody's bomb to do it. He said, now, if thou shalt kill all this people as one man, then the nations which have heard the fame of thee will speak, saying, because the Lord was not able to bring this people into the land which he swore unto them, therefore then he slew them in the wilderness. Do you see the power that it takes to bring these people in? Do you see the power that the Lord has to have to bring these people in?
And, and now I beseech thee. Now I beseech thee. Let the power of my Lord be great. Moses is saying, you got to dig a little deeper and you got to get some more power. You got to pull up the power, Father. He said, now I beseech thee, let the power of my Lord be great. Turn it on, Father, turn it up. Why? According as thou hast spoken, saying, the Lord is long-suffering and of great mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, and by no means clearing the guilty, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children, upon the third and fourth generation. Notice what Moses says here. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people according unto the greatness of thy mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt until now, what power was Moses asking for? What was he asking the Father for? The power to forgive. The power to forgive. Father, let your power be great. He says, I beseech thee, forgive them. Forgive them right here for what they're saying and for what they're doing. You need your power, Father, to forgive them, to get them into the land. You need the power to forgive them so we can get them into the land. You see, they couldn't get there if the Father's not going to forgive. He, Moses is asking, beseeching the Father for his power. Now let's go on. Pardon, I beseech thee, the iniquity of this people. According unto the greatness of thy mercy, as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. Moses got his attention. Moses interceded. And the Father used that power and he forgave him. He forgave him. And the Lord said, I have pardoned according to thy word. But as truly as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of the Lord. And notice what happens, though. He said, because all those men which have seen my glory, all the miracles he did, and my miracles, which I did in Egypt and in the wilderness, and have tempted me now these ten times, and have not hearkened unto my voice, surely they will not see the land which I swore unto them. They were pardoned. But all those men that came out of Egypt would never see it. Now, turn with me to Ephesians 1. We're going to look at this power. Ephesians 1, verse 16. This is Paul speaking. He says, I cease not to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened, that you may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. Do you know if you're born again, you got an inheritance? And what is the exceeding, what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe according to the working of his mighty power which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead 
and set him at his own right hand in the heavenly places, far above principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, every name that is named, far above every name that is named. Not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And has put all things under his feet. And gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. Go back up to verse 19. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to usward who believe? The greatness of that power. Turn with me to Isaiah 53. We're going to look at this power, the exceeding greatness of his power. I'm going to begin in verse 13 of Isaiah 52. Behold my servant. Behold my servant. If you know that gospel, if you have heard it, you know that it was a marvelous, wonderful fellowship between the father and the son. The Father, it says in John 3, 16, for God so loved the world, he sent his only begotten son. He gave him. And Jesus willingly gave up being a God. Do you hear that? He willingly gave up being a God, a God right along with the Father. They were together. But Jesus willingly gave it up. And you know what the Father called him when he was on the earth? Behold, my servant, my servant. Jesus gave up everything that a God had, all that power. And he became a man like you and I. He became a servant of the Father. Why? We'll see here why. Behold, my servant shall deal prudently. He shall be exalted, extolled, and be very high. As many were astonished at thee. His visage so marred more than every man, any man. His form more than the sons of men. So shall he sprinkle many nations. The kings shall shut their mouths at him. For that which had not been told them shall they see. And that which they had not heard shall they consider. Who has believed our report? Now, I want us to go down to verse 4. Surely, this is Jesus on the cross. This is Jesus that was a God that became a man just like us. Totally like us, not part like us, totally like us. Had to give up every godly ability he had. The only thing he brought with his, was his spirit, the spirit of Jesus. But he had no power. Where did he get his power on earth? He got it through the Holy Spirit, just like we do. He became just like us. And now in Isaiah 53, he is on the cross. He is on the cross for you and for I. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, our sickness, and carried our sorrows, our pains. That was the body of Jesus on the cross. That body had every sickness and every disease on it. It had to have every sickness and disease on it. Do you see the power of God that he could take every sickness and every disease and put it on one body and put it on one body. You got sickness and disease. This is where your sickness and disease went. It went on the body of Jesus. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. Verse five, 
but he was wounded. He was pierced for our transgressions. He, he was bruised. He was smitten for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him, and with his stripes we are healed. Every sin from Adam to the last man on earth went on that body. He bore our transgressions. He bore our iniquities. They went on his body. Do you see the power of God? That God could take every sin committed since Adam to the end of time and put it on one body. Do you see that power? Your sin went on that body. Your sin, what you did, God took from you and put on one body. You know, I love it. It says in John, when Jesus is praying to the Father, or uh, I think it was John, yeah, he said, Father, glorify thy name. And the Father said, I have glorified it, and I'm going to glorify it again. I have glorified it. Jesus was with the Father in heaven. Now Jesus is going to the cross. He's on the cross. And you know what Jesus knows? He's coming out. It's a, it's a partnership. Two, two entities, Jesus and the Father, working together for our redemption, for us. They're working together. God couldn't do it. He had to send Jesus. And Jesus had to become a man like us because it was a man that screwed it up in the beginning. It had to be a man that fixed it. Have you ever considered that? Adam is the one that lost what we had. Adam was the one that sinned. Adam is the one that brought us sickness and disease. Adam is the one that brought us sin. Adam is the one that brought death to the human race. And now we need another man to fix it. And the only way he's going to fix it is he's got to go to the cross and pay for it. Because the wages of sin is death. Surely he has borne our transgressions and our iniquities. Yet we did esteem him uh, that he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. All of us. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. All the sin from Adam to the end of time was put on the body of Jesus. Put on a man's body. That's why that body was marred more than any man. Every bone of that body was taken out of joint because of the sin laid on it. Because of your sin laid on it. That's what sin does to a body. And Jesus had our sin on it. And every bone went out of joint. His heart was mounted like wax. He couldn't see. Couldn't lift his head. Now, what are we going to do with this sacrifice? Let's take a look at 1 Peter 2.24. Who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. Who his own self, Jesus, bear our sins. Your sin was on that body, on the tree. What you've done, everything you've done. You know, there is no sin 
that is not put on that body but one. There is no sin that cannot be forgiven but one. And you haven't done it. All right, now let's go to verse 10. Yet it pleased the Lord to bruise him. He has put him to grief. Well, now shall make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. The Father shall see the travail of Jesus' soul. His soul on the cross and his soul in hell. The Father is the one that put the sin on him. It was the Father and the Son working together. Jesus went willingly to the cross. He went willingly to the cross. He was willing to take your sin. He was willing to take what you've done. And he went to the cross with it, knowing, knowing that was the only way to save humanity. That was the only way to get us from being totally annihilated. And the Father saw the travail of Jesus' soul. And that power, that power in the Father took that body that had every sin on it. And it raised every, it forgave every sin since the foundation of the world. Adam did one sin, but the Father forgave it a million times over. Do you see the power in the Father when he raised Jesus from the dead? That power forgave every sin in billions of people. Every sin in billions of people is the power that God performed in the body of Jesus. And if you ask for it, that power is available to you if you call on the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for joining Kathy Davidson and the ministers of music from Water of Life Church. She would love to hear from you. You may reach her by email at kd at kdwol.com. Or you may write her at Kathy Davidson, Care of Water of Life Church, Post Office Box 861-327, Plano, Texas 75086. You may find her on the internet at www.kdwol.com and on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, God bless.